0: Welcome back to the World Networking Podcast. Today we have John Adrian, geoscientist, educator, and grad student joining us for the show. He's got a lot of cool information and experience in the scientific field, and he really wants to share that today. I returned from my journey, and I got my computer back up and running, and we're editing away. So I am looking forward to returning everything back to pace. Hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Hi there, welcome to the World Networking Podcast. Today we have John Adrian joining us. Uh, John, what's something you'd like to share about your background?
1: First of all, hello, and thank you for having me. Um, It's pretty interesting to do a podcast. It's my first one, I've never done that. Um... So that's something about my background. I've never done a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously. Um, I guess there's a variety of things, but
2: I um, guess I can be a thrill seeker, but I'm also a I'm addicted to the natural world and understanding how it works.
0: What's the aspect of the natural world that draws you in the most? Is it the landscape or the natural beauty of it?
1: All of that, but it's also, I don't know, my ADHD brain just for some reason loves to dig into systems and understand systems. And The way the earth works is the ultimate system to figure out, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, there's just so many
0: yeah it's it's definitely a layered puzzle uh, at the very least trying to discover what layers came first, what what kind of forms. I'm sure it's puzzling to a lot of people that don't understand the science
1: of it well, even those that do that's I mean that's what we're doing is essentially we're gathering the pieces of the puzzle and then putting them together on our papers
0: yeah that's valid which school had the most inclusive environment for your
2: studies inclusive environment honestly
1: i don't think i've been to a school that didn't feel inclusive um but i guess i was pretty lucky that way i i went to
2: a pretty um
1: you know, I I'm sure there were, there was I was also pretty self-absorbed for a lot of my younger years, as many people are. So maybe I didn't notice as much, um, but at least for what felt like to me. Um, but you know, gotta remember, I'm a you know white male, so I can fit in most places fairly easily. Um, But, uh, that being said, pretty much every school I went to, uh, every college and university I've gone to so far, um, has really felt inclusive, but um, not only that, but active and energizing to me and my uh, interests.
0: So you felt like overall it was healthy? interacting with each of these school environments for your taste.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Each school brought new uh friends, new teachers, new interesting people to talk to and you know, exchange ideas with. That's what college and university really is all about is the exchange of ideas. And that's that's like yeah, that's the place to do it. And so, yeah, I at these schools at community college, it was more being introduced to the the science and the you know the sorts of techniques I might be using in the future. But um, a lot of it was basically just playing around in the in the desert or the forest, (laughs) going on field trips, and you know, writing a few things in our notebook, but mostly just arm waving and go. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> um, but that was, you know, it was, it was an amazing experience for each of those field trips. There were a few major ones. Like, each field trip was its own one-unit class, essentially. Oh, really? But yeah, because it was five days long.
0: So which so, of these field trips, um, like, drew you in the most?
1: Well... I've always been an explorer of the outdoors and the desert, so actually Owens Valley and Death Valley, or uh, yeah, sorry, we went to Yosemite and then Owens Valley a little bit, um, like Mammoth Lakes area, and I had been through that region many, many times with my family, because we used to Take a road trip every summer from Southern California to central Idaho, because we have a my family anyway, um, we know people up there, but um yeah it's uh oh, I was going to say, yeah, I had been through uh yeah Owens Valley and Mammoth Lakes area many times as a kid, but I had never really understood what I was looking at, and at I was a kid just staring out the car window everything was just brown and boring and you know are we there yet <laughs> yeah but when i was going through the same area with actual teachers who knew what they were looking at and could tell me about it it changed my whole perspective on everything and suddenly i was just glued to the window and i was Recognizing every thing along the way, um, because I had taken a, a few classes and that you know, it's that was one of those just aha empowering moments that drives you forward and makes you want more. Yeah, that's fair. And that's not something everyone always experiences. Right. I was pretty lucky to have a, a family that insisted on getting outside and hiking and adventuring and like fishing and all that stuff pretty frequently so you know it i've been training for this job since i was a little kid is how i look at it <laughs> it's a good way of looking at it too
0: because uh, you know it it is where your interest came from is from childhood mm-hmm. uh, generally you grow up into something that you want to do for the rest of your life.
1: Well, my first, well my first geoscience teacher really was probably my uncle because he, more than anybody else, I, he took me around like the deserts, southern desert of Idaho, the mountains, and he would, uh, we would go fishing and uh, boating, like. F- Floating down the Snake River and his in his well in the boat we built together <laughs> and um, just floating down the Snake River with uh, a beer in our hands and a fishing rod, you know, off the side, getting off this into the you know, or getting off on some random shore and then looking at these giant boulders of basalt that are have car ancient. Uh, you know, Native American pictographs carved in them. (laughs) And then, you know, and then going through lava tubes, hiking up over mountains into mountain alpine lakes and um, getting lost in the woods and (laughs) discovering all sorts of creatures out there all the time. It was, you know, I had a, a lucky childhood, but I... You know, I wouldn't change any of that because it's you know made me who I am.
3: Well, and
2: are there any places from that that you'd like to return to eventually? Oh yeah, um, I mean, I I frequently visit family in Idaho, and um, there's lots to do up there as far as adventuring goes.
1: But I honestly, I think. <laughs> Most people would, you know, raise their eyebrow at this one. But I think one of my ideal spots I want to live um, would be probably Bishop, California. Yeah? That's, yeah. Way up there in Owens Valley. Not quite mammoth, but, uh, you know, still got a a decent-sized town. But there's plenty of nature around you and just breathtaking views.
0: true. I could see that being a good
1: area to, to rest your, your campsite for a week or two. <laughs> but honestly, I like to get out and go where... I mean, sometimes I'll just... During the summer, I'll get in my car and just start driving out. <laughs> go on a road, spontaneous road trip and end up somewhere. <laughs> and then come back. Nothing
2: wrong with that. Um... Speaking of trips,
0: how was your experience in Death Valley and uh, Yosemite? Uh, were those two uh, places extreme?
1: Actually, uh, they were quite perfect because <laughs> we went at the perfect time of the year for each. Um, Yosemite was the, the fall trip. That was, we went like middle October, I think. And so, yeah, it was uh, not too cold. And not too hot, and everything was green, and water was flowing, and it was just gorgeous um yeah, and then we went over the Tioga Pass there down into Lee vining next to Mono Lake, and cruised around and looked at the tufa towers and and the i mean I, I should mention the best maybe you know one of the best parts of. These field trips is not just the sites, but the people you, you meet and, like, end up making friends with most of the time. Because you're out there for five days, you know, c- camping, basically, and, you know, you either get along with them or you're going to have a bad time.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's yeah. how I look at it's it. It's close day. quarters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's good and- to maintain positive relationships.
1: And in my experience, Ed, you know, people who want to go do things like that are usually fairly interesting people. Anyway. True. Yeah, I'd say in most cases that, that is a very true factor. So, Ed, they, my experience in these places was wonderful. Yeah, um, Death Valley was also <laughs> it was right after um, a lot of rain had fallen and Death Valley, and the whole uh, valley was covered in wildflowers. Now, I mean, they're not big, huge flowers that are blanketing the the ground. They were tiny little things that you could sometimes barely see, but, you know, once your eyes adjusted to the landscape, you would notice oh, wow, there's colors everywhere.
0: Wow, so it's it's just uh, a whole blanket layer of. Flowers on uh, the whole like surface?
1: No, uh, I'm saying it was, um, you know, it wasn't like a field of flowers like you see in Europe or something. It was more like, you know, just little patches. No, more like in tiny individual flowers spaced apart. But, you know, once you look across the landscape and notice these things, you see them everywhere and they. Yeah, it's, one of the, it's almost like a magic eye picture. Yeah. You know I mean?
0: That makes more sense, though. That paints a good picture visually, I think, especially for viewers.
1: And then, yeah. you know, Death Valley is famous for its pretty crazy, interesting geologic wonders. Like, you know, Natural Arch Bridge, um, Mosaic Canyon, the, the salt uh, pinnacle things, I don't the name of them and of course the famous racetrack who can forget yes where where the uh the boulders are moving across the the dry lake bed which was a huge mystery for
2: a long time
0: but we finally figured it out
2: yeah it's a pretty
0: wild area Mm -hmm. Uh, especially just the fact that it's under uh, sea level
1: in some places if you're curious, it's definitely worth checking out the story for how they figured it out. What's causing it. Do you have any good recommendations for uh article on that? Um I just do a Google search. Uh you know, Death Valley racetrack um solved. and I'm sure you'll find something. Perfect a video. YouTube. I think I saw a YouTube video on it.
0: Yeah, you know how YouTube is these days. There's information on almost every field imaginable. <laughs> There's so much media out there, but um, with that, was your experience as a paleontologic, uh, paleontological, excuse me, field monitor something you enjoyed?
1: Um, yeah, I did it. You know the. Standing around in construction sites for hours on end, staring at the ground part wasn't particularly fun. But um, (laughs) certain assignments were more fun than others. Um, My favorite was when I got assigned to the Elk Hills. They were going to build some new pipelines, um, which was uh, the Elk Hills is um,
2: the Southern Central Valley is like big oil Reserve area.
1: Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so, oh, yeah, I was driving around there with my, my old 89 Dodge pickup truck. <laughs> um, getting stuck in the sand and taking notes on the rocks and finding bones in the, the rock walls. and, You know, uh, I, and I was cruising around with this other interesting dude who's <laughs> um I can't remember his name, but he was the most detailed note-taker I have ever seen. <laughs> um, to the point where the company kept saying, stop writing so many details, we don't need it. <sighs> I, thought, I thought that was funny.
3: That is but, pretty funny.
1: But yeah, it was, it was just a, a yet another adventure for me out there.
0: Well, and, and for the viewers that don't know what that uh, job entails... What what's something? uh, What's an aspect that made that work interesting or unique?
1: Um, well, in that particular area, it was interesting because I got to drive around and check out different sites. Most assignments, you just you're kind of standing in a, a flattened out, you know, construction area, and or they're still moving dirt, but your job is basically to Stand there with a notebook and just watch for any bones or other fo- types of fossils being dug up. And then if you see something, you say, stop, you know, stop digging. I i need to note this. And then you note it down and take the fossil back to your truck or throw it in the trash if it's stupid. <laughs> or, I mean, not stupid, but if it sucks, <laughs> it's worthless. Which, you know, there's actually quite a few useless fossils you find out
2: there. But um yeah. So once you uh you know stash
1: the bone you say, alright, keep digging and then back to work.
2: It's just a constant repeating cycle.
1: I mean it gets exciting when you do find something interesting. Like uh one of the teams found a Hundred thousand year old baby woolly mammoth buried in old river sediment um, in Fresno. Absolutely yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't remember the the company, the client that we were working for, but um, yeah, we the way that works is if we find something big like that, we will dig like uh, around the fossil and then plaster cast the big dirt ball and then throw that in the truck and take that back to the lab and then dig it out very carefully one you know grain by grain essentially with tweezers
0: so it's just such a a precarious process i'm sure
1: yeah because these bones were these bones especially were like nearly pulverized they were they were just falling apart into dust as soon as you touch them so we have, back in the lab, we have special chemicals that we mix together that we pour into the bone that stabilizes it and kind of makes it glossy and look neat. For you're
0: able product. to kind of like pull it out more.
1: Yeah, or well, you're able to, to keep it intact while you're removing the sand grains from the bone. Okay. Yeah, that's really what we're doing. We're not <laughs> uh, digging it out. We're removing sand grains, essentially, with tweezers gotcha gotcha it's fun honestly most of my time with that internship was uh <laughs> like 90 percent of my time was spent in the lab with boxes and boxes of little uh fossils of basically leaf impressions that they found um in some places along the 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 five freeway in central valley area and so, you know, it was all just leaves and no bones, no creatures. And I don't really know botany very well, so I didn't really know what I was. To me, it was just things to number and organize for hours. But, you know, somebody's got to do the grunt work, and that's what the interns are for.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I can testify as a bead sorter. At a point, that uh, the small, little detailed things uh, sometimes can be the worst. Just
1: because of how time-consuming each of those things can take. But it was a nice job, because the lab, quote-unquote, was technically just the boss's garage. (laughs) And he lived in a pretty nice place up in uh, Auburn, California. So... Very out, uh, out in, Yeah, out in the woods. So it was kind of foresty, quiet, and uh, smelled nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the smell of the, the nature is always uh, enjoyable in my eyes.
1: But uh, honestly, I don't know if... That job is not for everybody. It's, it's kind of a niche thing. So, you know, if you're going into geology... Uh, might look into getting an internship at a paleo resource consulting firm, which is what I was working for. But um, you know, it's it's a decent. Uh, it was definitely a decent internship. I had fun. So if you're into that kind of thing, definitely go for it.
0: Well, well with your other one, your work as a mud logger, um, is there any? thing that uh that kind of work tends to be uh like unknown like what's what exactly is a mudlogger
1: um so yeah so that was my first real job when once i graduated with my bs from sacramento state Um, and even though i said i wasn't gonna go work in the oil field that was kind of the the main people who were hiring at the time. So, you know, gotta, gotta eat, gotta put gas in the car. <laughs> but it was also a really, it was a good experience. It was intense. Um, but I learned a lot about myself through that job. Um, so your question was, is there anything dangerous about that job? Well, yeah, because it's, I mean, you're, you're on a, a giant West Texas oil rig, or drilling rig, you know, you've got giant pipes being wrangled into place, um, and you've got uh, gas, you know, natural gas and other types of gas coming out of the well that you got to keep in check. That's part of my job, monitoring those gas levels. and. Radioing the company man if things get too too high, but then um, my job my other my main job was uh, they call me a mud logger technically it's a surface logging specialist, but they call me a mud logger because my job was to um, go out to what they call the shakers, which is where the the rock cuttings are being dumped out and then the drilling mud is washing through the, the screen and recycling, but the rock cuttings get dumped out. Um, and I, so I collect samples every so often as the drill goes from those shakers. And, but, you know, those rocks are covered in drilling mud, so I take it back to the, the lab trailer. Um, and I gotta wash it out with Actually, we use Dawn soap most of the time to wash out the oil. No kidding. Yeah, seriously, it kind of does the best job. <laughs> I believe uh, gave, it, though. Give gave me a whole new appreciation for that stuff. It's powerful.
3: Uh, yeah. the
0: soap's powerful stuff.
1: But, um, yeah, so then I would wash the, the rock and kind of crush it up a little more if I needed to, uh, slide it under a a uh, dissecting microscope not a not a full petrographic microscope but enough to see the you know the, the little pieces of rock and be able to tell what it's made out of and that was my next job was describing the minerals found in it the type of rock your the drill was in at the time and that goes on the log Sure. Well, so, the gas levels. You I did a that. lot of uh,
0: observation uh, reports, basically.
1: Yeah. Essentially. Um, there was one rig I got to do some interpretation. It <laughs> was in Oklahoma. Some really. It was basically a mom and pop uh, operation. Interesting. These old. Two old. Like. Amateur geologist types were super interested. They they took me and my my other lab partner out to dinner before the, we got started, and we're like, "This never happens," but cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's all just most of the yeah most of the job is just taking data and um, trying to stay awake for twenty four hours at a time or twelve hours at a time, eighty four hour weeks.
0: Yeah, yeah, not everyone can do that. No. Uh, Some people would crash out right away. Couldn't even last four.
1: It's difficult, but your body does adjust to it eventually. And I learned to... I learned how to operate without much sleep.
0: Yeah. I'm sure that changed you. Uh, Your appreciation for sleep and both uh, how your body handles
3: uh, stress.
1: Yeah, actually, I. (laughs) That experience taught me that I don't really need all as much sleep as I thought I used or used to think.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that at all.
1: But then again, you kind of tend to need less sleep as you get older, too. Really? Well, yeah, I
0: guess that makes sense. Brain development and just thyroid health
2: or function in general.
1: Some people do.
0: Yeah, yeah. it always varies. Moving forward, how was your experience being president of the geology club?
1: It was interesting, to say the least. It was also a good experience for me. Um, it taught me some much-needed interpersonal skills.
0: <laughs> Where was this club?
1: This was at Sacramento State.
3: So. Okay.
1: Um, and this was around 2007, so I,
3: yeah,
1: as, our geology club wasn't so typical for university clubs in that we were a heck of a lot more active than most of them, for one thing, Um, but we also just made every student in the department a member by default. (laughs) Okay. Um, and so that way, when we needed to get something done, we basically, you know, called in the cavalry or called in the, the troops. Um, and, you know, for most things, we didn't really need that many people, but we did have a major event every year called the Rock Auction <laughs> that uh, is. <laughs> It was a rather big thing to put on, actually, because we had to rent out a whole, you know, big ballroom thing. Um, get the whole uh, auction. There was, we had a live auction and a whole bunch of silent auction tables all around the room, and like a games table and uh, other souvenirs. And so, yeah, it was a big thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, we ended up making I think over ten grand that night just by selling rocks and fossils that other people had donated to us but that was the other big part of the job was recruiting people to make calls <laughs> to like everybody that the university knew plus all of our friends and begged them for rocks
2: <laughs> wild stuff
1: yeah but you know it worked um, but then the rest of the, the you know managing the club was putting on other events like we all um we had each semester we had a bowling tournament with usually the engineers but sometimes the uh biologists wanted in on it and we had a a big stuffed rooster that would get passed around as the trophy (laughs) no kidding (laughs) Um, sounds like
0: you guys had quite the experience together as a group
1: we held it for most years but then I think the engineers won once, and then biology once, one. Um. And sorry, what was your question?
0: Oh, I, I just was commenting on on your group's dynamic. Like, uh, it oh, seems yeah. like it was a fun dynamic uh, between you guys.
1: Yeah, and that was the other. That was the the great thing about the whole thing was the bonds we made as officers but also as students. Um but you know, geology is kinda unique in I think biology is really kind of the only other science that tends to get out there and do things outside.
2: Um maybe not the only other one, but you know, out in nature. Geologists, at least
1: in my experience, have a certain like there's there's a geologist type, you know, and there's a variety of people that fit the type, you know, but there's certainly
2: um, a type and
1: i don't know I, every year I was at that school, I felt like I was just hanging out with my friends and just talking about cool, interesting things all the time and uh, it really was an amazing space in time for me. So would you always say that college, uh, helped open your eyes up to networking better? Yeah, well, I would say that that skill is still developing. I think it always will be, but I didn't really start to feel comfortable with that until honestly, until after I finished my, uh, well after i st- going through my teaching stuff about halfway through it i'd say once i got in front of the classroom enough times you know all that just kind of washes away
0: <laughs> yeah eventually you you break the habits of social anxiety i'm sure
1: and, yeah and now i can do it much more easily i'm no longer afraid to just send an email to somebody and say, hey, can you tell me about this?
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, what's the biggest thing you learned from your time as president with the club?
1: When you put yourself in a leadership position, you got to you know, make sure you stay on the ball because you got a lot of people relying on you to, for things to happen because the, that auction was... It was a fundraiser for the whole department um, but especially the students because all you know i mentioned the field trips at the community college but the university was really where field trips were were taken to the next level like exponentially because almost like almost every one of my geology classes had a field component to it and that included like most of the time at least two classes a semester. So I was pretty much out in the field in the Sierras and the Owens Valley and other places every other weekend for a few years seemed anyway. But you know, those field trips uh, where we go and make maps and camp for a week and you know, all that costs a lot of money and so that's why we need to raise so much because that gets distributed out to the students to help them pay for like field supplies and, and other stuff. And on, we made enough that year to subsidize every student to the point where they didn't have to pay for anything on the field trips,
2: like including food. Wow. Yeah.
0: Wow. So, so most of these uh, events proved to be successful.
1: Yeah. But like I said, there were a lot of work, and if you don't stay on it, it could easily not happen.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, you lose morale, and then boom, you have twenty people show up. Sure,
1: and, you know, officer drama is never fun, but it happens once in a while.
0: Well, in light of that, excuse me, if you could go back and change majors, uh, would you?
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> No. um, Everything I've experienced and done has made me who I am today. And, you know, as many problems as I have.
3: and
2: I I like who I am and where I am. I don't... I wouldn't want to change anything.
3: That's a good place to be.
0: Uh, It's a healthy place to be. Um, Both with yourself and with your... Uh, passions. Yeah. Um I think a lot of people it takes them their whole college career to understand that and perhaps it's taken you that long. I don't know.
1: Um, well, so many people don't get so lucky as to understand what they you know like to do from such an early age like <laughs> you know uh I hesitate to share this one but <laughs> I actually uh, wrote a song when I was six years old about how I wanted to be a paleontologist when I grew up.
0: It's <laughs> awesome. I mean, <laughs> hey, you know, the things we do when we're young, when we have passions, uh, and, you know, you're kind of naive to the facts of what goes on, and kind of the work and the time that goes into different things. Like, It's just an idea. It's a, it's a dream at that stage, and just excited to have that dream.
1: Like, well, I did at some point have a job where I had a business card that said paleontologist on it. So check that
0: box. <laughs> you check that box. There you go. Then you can say that with confidence to your younger self that you, you accomplished that dream. Yep. Which is a really cool thing. I, I have to add, uh, and, and I give you props for that, man. Uh, you have to have a lot of grit to get through that much class work and, and school work. And just the collaboration alone, I'm sure, uh, pushed your buttons some days.
2: You mean with the the club?
0: Um, like, well, with just education in general, uh, getting to that point where you're able to present yourself uh, as yeah. part of the club. And-
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By pushing buttons, you mean that is a good thing?
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah.
1: Exactly. Like I'm just saying,
0: the the stress of having to collaborate and work with other people and in workshops and, and different college uh, events,
1: like for a lot of people, that creates a lot of anxiety. Uh, oh, turmoil. yeah. It certainly does. And I'm, you know, <laughs> still no stranger to it. Um, you never really fully get rid of it but i think the best you can do is learn how to handle it
2: better
0: very valid advice um and with that uh are there aspects of the college that made you appreciate the science more than before uh you studied
1: yeah the number one thing that pushed me to want to learn more i'd say is being surrounded by other interested, enthusiastic people.
2: Sure.
0: I could see how that could be uh, one of the valuable things.
1: But also, I had, well, at that school anyway, I, um, it really was a, you know, it's a little state school that's not particularly well known to most people. But as far as that department goes, well, yeah, that's at least when I was there, it was fantastic. Amazing professors. Like, they knew their stuff. They're always fun to talk with. Um, I go out camping and adventuring with them any day Um, because I want to hear more about their old times, you know? So,
0: have you guys been able to reconnect?
1: Uh, actually, yeah, I, one of my old professors is, um, a consultant on my, my current paper I'm trying to get published, so.
3: How neat. Yeah, yeah, no kidding.
0: Um, it's always good to be able to get others' opinions, especially on projects. Yeah, Um,
1: his, uh, it was pretty cool to see his face light up when he, uh. When I told him I was working for JPL, doing a Mars geology project.
0: Oh, cool! In, uh, speaking of, is there any aspects of that that you'd like to touch on? Um, because I I know that's something you've been working on in in recent developments.
1: Well, sure. But what do you well What do you want to know specifically?
0: Um, like generally, what got you into? being part of that project to begin with? What led you to that opportunity?
1: It's, uh, it's a little bit of a you know, winding story, but you, I, you already know the first half of it. Uh, so after the oil field, basically back in 2015 and into 16, uh, you know, OPEC dropped the oil prices. Um, and so it just wasn't worth drilling. Out in West Texas for a while, and so pretty much everybody got laid off. Um, it was actually pretty amazing to watch it happen over the course of a year. Just drill, and, <laughs> what a landscape that used to be just covered in drilling rigs, just slowly, you know, one by one, they just got shuttered up. Um, but just you know, with the
0: the recession and
1: yeah. But anyway, um, so yeah, I got laid off and then had to come back, or I came back to California, and had to find something else to do, so um, I come from a big family of teachers on my mom's side, um yeah, pretty much everybody in that family is a teacher, and uh including my cousin um, and you know. You're not gonna get rich by teaching, but it certainly has made a good living
0: all of us. Sure. So Sure, And, and and uh that's uh
1: something to get
2: passionate with.
1: And I I know a lot about geoscience now, so I figured it would be um it would be good to go into and try my hand at. Um so yeah, I went into the Teaching credential program for geoscience, or just general science, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. So I could teach um, high school or junior high, and I ended up teaching mostly junior high, um, Santa Maria, kind of out in the, the boonies. So I was a little bit
2: isolated. A little bit rough, but um, they're good kids coming from hard home
1: lives. And there were some, there were some really impressive kids there, honestly.
0: Just super talented uh, or yeah. skilled with what they were doing, like, mathematic-wise? or.
1: Well, no. Well, talented and interested and enthusiastic. I think I would say... Interested and enthusiastic and willing to try are the three top traits to get you through school or even, you know, a new job or whatever. If you can show those traits to your boss or your colleagues or your um, teachers, then you're going to go far. Yeah. Okay. Dropped <laughs> answering the question in the middle of it. Where was I? Hey,
0: hey, no, it's 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 perfectly fine. It, it was um, kind of explaining how like the the steps that got you to working on that Mars project.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So I was teaching credential program, um, teaching middle school for daytime for the the you know, job during the year. But in the meantime, I also signed up for a internship program called star and that whole thing is its job is to take new teachers going into teach science um and put them in one of the national labs for the summer and make have them do a project with one of the scientists there um and get some real world science experience and make a poster and write up a thing and uh, act like a real scientist for a while. <laughs> then bring that experience back to the classroom, and so that way you could actually um, convey a little bit better what it is scientists actually do. How neat, actually, um, not to have a
0: program like that.
1: Yeah, it was really cool actually my so the way it works is um you know you give me your resume and then you fill out a questionnaire where they ask you like you know what are your skills what are your talents what do you want to do what do you like to do and blah 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 and then they aggregate all that and send them off to the labs and uh you know the the liaisons there um or the you know the The people, coordinators, I guess they called them, would read the resumes and say, "Okay, um, okay, this scientist would be good with this guy because, you know, the skills match up or, you know, this girl could um, work over here in the biology department, (laughs) you know, or the scientists themselves, actually, in the case of the second job, um, called me straight up and said, you're you're hired. But anyway, as my oh, first wow. my first placement was um at the National Center for Atmospheric Research for my first summer. And that's in Boulder, Colorado. Luckily, I know a family friend um from Idaho who had moved there, so I was able to stay with them for the summer and it's a beautiful place and uh through that experience, I met some really cool people. Um, it was in the cubicle next door, and uh yeah, we ended up bonding pretty well over the summer and like um went through the whole Rocky Mountain National Park and down to Evans Peak together and did like a three day camping trip um, and yeah, it's uh and we'd come back to the lab and you know, chat and share our progress on our work and say, Oh, that's cool. What, what is that? And that's interesting. Even though my project there was really just filtering bad data out of years worth of temperature readings. So not <laughs> exciting. Uh, but I was writing a Perl script to do that. So that that was the, the experience I was getting was how to code a little bit and which is good because I the last time I had touched any code was back in high school, and I sucked <laughs> at it, so yeah <clears throat> coding um, is it's, it's one of those things like I've
0: learned uh, over a little time. That you use it or you lose it? You really
1: do. <laughs> well, thankfully, I had remembered just enough to be able to you know pick up and um, be able to move forward with it. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, when I first got there, got to the lab, you know, I had d- driven all the way out to Colorado because I just didn't feel like flying. And I had a car that I was in love with at the time, especially for that kind of environment. Um,
2: so, uh, and I
1: just wanted a car to be able to drive around Boulder or, you know, Colorado in the summer.
0: Well, now you got to tell us what this car is.
1: It was a Subaru Baja turbo stick shift. we're not sponsored by Subaru, I promise. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'll tell you, it was a money pit, but it was easily the most fun car I've ever had. Well, no. Maybe not easily. Anyway. um, Okay. Enough about the car. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love cars, though. Yeah, I do.
2: Um... But, where was I? Um, I was saying.
0: Um, you were explaining you were driving in Colorado, I believe. With yeah. Car. Or you went to Colorado in this car. Yeah, but I had a point. to <laughs> that.
2: Trying to remember what it was. Um, what was, like, um, Why did I bring up the car? Uh,
0: Because it was uh, you didn't want to fly
1: wherever you were going. Oh yeah, so I was able to stay with a friend over the summer, so um, I didn't have to pay for housing. Um, But it also, you know, it, it allowed me to have a pretty relaxing time there actually so, being able to go out and visit with people and see the sites and visit the town um but yeah i'd say the the uh, we had to work on a collaborate collaborative project at some point during the summer and that was fun but um yeah the collaborative times i'd say were the most fun parts for me and it, those experiences really showed me that that's where I thrive is in collaborative projects, as long as everybody else is, in, you know, into the job, too. <laughs> it's easy to get a team member that drops the ball, but, um, you know, when you get a good team, you got a good team. So then, yeah, my second placement, uh, second summer, was at Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena. And I was able to stay with another friend there. So didn't have to pay for housing. But I did have to commute on the 210 for quite a while every morning. But thankfully, that's like the least worst freeway in L.A. But yeah, it's essentially, uh, the, the boss, uh, the, the planetary science geologist guy at JPL saw my resume and saw that I had quite a lot of mapping experience. I got through school geologic mapping experience. Um and I had a little bit of GIS training like years ago <laughs> uh in the old versions, but I also was both on the resume and on the phone um quite confident in my ability to learn new software quickly, which is true. Um I definitely consider that a strength, but uh he, yeah, he just saw my resume, my skills, my background, and, and kind of... He, he looked at the types of adventures I had, specifically, and said, this is the right kind of guy for this job. And so, yeah, I don't... It's, I keep getting lucky somehow. Yeah, you were straight up hand-selected. Right. Which is so, super cool. Yeah, so I made the map over the summer, and it was uh, it was difficult. I had to learn a lot in a short amount of time. Um, honestly, I'm not sure I could have done it without my my other intern colleague sitting next to me in the lab, because uh, that guy was just
2: he's he's one of those super
1: people that it's and, really gifted at academics yeah um but also parsing a lot of information quickly and he is easily the fastest typer i've ever seen Damn. by far and so yeah that was a partnership made in heaven He ended up being my co-author on my big the paper i wrote about the the map second summer So, yeah, second summer happened to be during COVID. And so, (laughs) pretty much every day, we, two of us, were on Discord together, just, you know, mapping and writing and uh, trading figures and going, what do you think of this? No, it needs that. Yeah, just kind of generally discussing what's uh, going on on your project. And meanwhile, sharing our various our love of various other science things and you know we just meshed really well and i miss that i wish i could have a a good partner like that for my thesis
2: i i'm sure uh it would
1: make the project a lot more um enjoyable enjoyable but also just better quality because. That's what I've learned, at least with my collaborations, is the more minds on a project, typically
2: ends up with better results.
0: Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I, I would agree. In most cases, uh, you always. I, I'd say, yeah, like almost now, all cases.
1: That's also why every time I go out to the field to map, I want a partner there to fight with me. <laughs> about what I see and what I uh, think I'm doing on my map. Because yeah. if, if somebody else isn't there to, to reality check me once in a while, sometimes you make silly mistakes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a human condition. We're and only conditioned to uh, see what's around us and uh, feel what we feel.
1: I consider myself a good field mapper, but you know, nobody's perfect. Sure. Yeah, uh, I'm sure in that field, you have to expect uh, failures. Um, well, that's also why I like the field. It's uh, kind of fuzzy by default or by nature. <laughs> yeah, know? there's no normal. <laughs> or, yeah, or there's no like set scale for anything. You know, the more you zoom in, the more details there are. <laughs> sure. At any level.
0: Well, and, and with that, I actually have a question uh, personally. What really? helped you through college and academics? What's uh, one aspect that helped you keep up that would help the struggling student? know?
1: Well, not being tested for ADHD until last year was certainly not one of them. Uh, but... I'd say the things that did help me get through are my, well, like I said before, that my interest, enthusiasm, and what was the other one? Uh, Yeah, it was interest, enthusiasm, and, well, it's a variety of things. I I couldn't also throw in um, willingness to collaborate definitely helped me. Because it wasn't just... uh, you know with big projects i i like to collaborate on just basic homework assignments too even if it's just you know um comparing answers um and saying hmm
2: okay well, i missed that detail
0: um sure reflection is one thing that i have to vouch for personally um, yeah i think reflection is very underrated when it comes to sharing it with other people and every class could benefit from, um, peer, peer collaboration on that extent, because it it both expresses a personal connection to the academics and the study itself. And it broadens your horizon on what people, what, what people are thinking, what kind of processes are going through their head, especially with something like science where a lot of it's observation based. Mm -hmm. Um, being able
1: to present information clearly is half the challenge, I'd imagine. Well, geology is not just observation. It's observation, and then critically, the next part is interpretation, which there, there comes the fuzzy part.
0: Yes, that, when I took geology, that was a big uh, factor um, Yeah, that I, I forgot to mention. Um,
1: that is... Actually, now that I'm, I'm getting a master's degree in geography, which is you know related but not quite the same, um, but I still you know we still deal with maps and everything. Most of the map stuff that geology uses came from you know cartography stuff, so there's a lot of overlap. Um, but now that I I one of the things I learned through my coursework here is this concept called the modifiable aerial unit problem in Geography which essentially means what I said before the further you zoom in the more details there are and the further you zoom out the you know the fuzzier it gets But essentially what that means is there's no like Well, think of it like this. Where exactly is the boundary between a mountain and the plains?
0: I would say the boundary is um Generally, what, like, what percentage of change starts
1: to occur? Yeah. See. Like an average. Sure. I mean, sure. Why not? But honestly, that's uh, just a arbitrary number that you picked. So. That's
0: true. Yeah, I see your point in that example. That's a perfect analogy, actually. Yeah. Um,
1: so, I mean, even that's why computers have such a hard time with mapping things, because it, you know. The Unless there's screeny boundaries between objects, it's really difficult for the computer to discern, uh, like, types of terrain. Yeah, we live in an obscure uh, universe. <laughs> things are a little bit abstract. Although we, uh, thankfully, we're much better at figuring out, like, living things from space. But that's because they all have very specific spectral sig- signatures most of the time. Rocks yeah. do too, but they're, a little, they're much more difficult to discern.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine. And, and um, I'm sure looking at the geological patterns um, on Mars is uh, a little bit trippy compared <laughs> to what you're used to <laughs> seeing in the it day, day.
1: It really is. I, I mean, we tend to call Mars the yes-but planet, referring to how we, we like to compare everything on Mars to Earth. And we say, yeah, it's like that thing on Earth, but not <laughs> because of this. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, uh, uh, that's something I hope uh, you can come back on the podcast at a point and we can discuss more about um, kind of interstellar.
1: I, I, don't, I don't know if that's oh, a correct I, form of term. But uh, interplanetary uh, or, or planetary sciences. Planetary science. That would make
0: more sense than interstellar.
1: <laughs> I would say my, my thesis is a combination of uh, um, tectonics, uh, geomorphology, and uh, just straight up geology. Really cool.
0: I I admire that you've taken the time to um, put dedication into this study, because this is something that's going to help future generations uh, understand what's below us, what's uh, around us. I I have a deep respect for this field of study, and and interest, personally. I I love rocks. I love uh, the formations of our planet. And uh being able to discuss this kind of stuff is just uh it's it's a treat
1: and I appreciate you uh being able to share this today. You're welcome. Um and uh it's been a yeah it's been a pleasure to be on and
2: um uh, yeah I'll
1: come back anytime you wanna have me. <laughs> awesome.
0: I I uh wanna just close with uh two more questions for you. Is there anything you would like to recommend to our viewers? Uh, any books, shows, podcasts that
1: uh, speak to you? Kind of helps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm, it's not going to be a geology book. <laughs> um, actually, one of the, the books, most influential books I've read. Well, I'll recommend a couple. The first one is "Our Inner Ape" by Franz De Waal, um, who's a primatologist who studies chimpanzees and bonobos, and uh,
3: the book
2: is essentially a a
1: pontific or yeah, a um, a thoughtful examination of. Chimpanzees and bonobos comparing their traits and behaviors, and essentially discovering that you put our two closest genetic relatives together and you end up with humans, essentially. Whoa. And it, it's like the whole um, is it essentially his theory
0: of how it, the science no. behind it, or is it actually no. analyzing and cross
1: referencing? No, no, it's, so I want to be clear. This is, he's not suggesting that humans evolved from these two species. Um, No, they are our our cousins from a common ancestor with us. Um, But uh, what I'm saying is, yeah, the book is essentially, he he brings up a bunch of examples of chimpanzee behavior um, and then bonobo behavior by contrast and then there's a whole philosophical discussion about the two versus each other and then eventually humans so it's definitely worth a a look interesting
0: yeah that sounds cool it's like showing similarities in in
1: the the patterns of guessing and then another book I would highly recommend is Your Inner Fish (laughs) Inner Fish, huh? Not by the same author. This one is by... um, uh, I'm blanking on the name, but it's a unique enough title. You'll find it. Um, Yeah, so Your Inner Fish, uh, and it's essentially a
2: sort of a narrative way to convey
3: the
1: three and a half billion year history of the human body basically how we got from fish to what we are now so it's and, it's basically the biological yeah and, yeah and it kind of it answers a lot of questions like why do humans have such bad knees <laughs> and why do we get hiccups so um and a lot of that is just because, as our bodies changed and developed, they, they you know, things just got warped and misplaced and moved around and broken. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting story to see like how all that happened over time. Um, and then finally, the the last book I'll recommend is probably one of my favorite books from my teenage years called snow crash by neil stevenson Um, it is one of the earlier um and probably one of the bigger influences on the cyberpunk game It's, it's a cyberpunk story it's pretty good that's awesome.
0: Yeah, and that's a, that's a fantasy book?
1: It, well, yeah. Cyberpunk sci-fi fantasy. That's awesome. Um, it's basically yeah, kind of near-ish future, um, you know, techno-Babylon, essentially, California. I love that you threw that in. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: You got
0: all these deep, introspective uh, books about
1: development. Oh yeah! yeah. It's <laughs> funny you you mention that because it does involve the plotline. Does involve uh, the development of the human brain.
0: <laughs> oh wow! Wow, that, that's really neat. I'll have to check that one out. Get uh, get my cousin on that. He might like that one. <laughs> um, are there any uh, closing thoughts you have for the audience?
2: Any advice? You
1: know. Be interested in things. Try new things. um, Have an open mind. Say yes more than you can say no, because that will lead you through way more doors than the other way.
0: Very well said. And with that, uh, I appreciate you coming on tonight, John. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. And um, Again, we hope to have you uh, on the future get more yeah. uh,
1: into these discussions deeper and, and, uh, i can talk about mars for days
0: oh i i know you can <laughs> i'm excited to get into those discussions too all right uh, once we get paul on the podcast uh, he's going to be co-hosting with us soon cool we'll we'll have some good talks here
1: awesome all right but, i'll see you next time
0: hey it's been a pleasure and uh Thank you so much for joining us today on the World Networking Podcast. We're going to have another guest in the next two weeks join us, and we hope uh, that you can stop by and tune in. Until next time, my friends, you take care.